Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT here at twitch.tv slash DNI stream. Welcome to Documentation Not Included, episode of version 2.6, Big versus Small Companies. My name is Josie. We have Chris here. Hello. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Up until five minutes ago, we were supposed to have a guest on the show. Um <laughs> Patrick was going to come. Uh, he has been on the show before. Uh, he, was, <laughs> he works in games. We were going to talk about, well, we're still going to talk about the same subject, um, but he's uh, he's not turned up. I think it may be a time zone thing, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. nothing horrible has happened. He is a bit accident prone. Yes, Ooh. yes. He did have a, a hole in his foot, didn't he, a few months ago. So. Yeah, and that was not fun. Massive hello to everybody joining us here on Twitch. And... Uh, yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of pretend he's not here, but here at the same time. Mm. And then we're going to totally tease him, because that's that's what we do with, you know, friends. We, we pick on them and tease them, right? I wouldn't say I'm his friend. <laughs> <laughs> Until he comes back. Yes. <laughs> but yes, before we get started, we're going to have an icebreaker question. Before I get to that, I have a correction to make. So for a couple of episodes, I have mentioned that Sam's going to be joining us and that Sam is actually part of VMware. Sam's actually from Real VNC. And I actually blame one of our guests by the name of Gareth, who in our chat is asked for call, uh, because he is obsessed with VMware. So I kept thinking VMware, and that's all I could get in my head around is VMware, not real VNC. And it might just yeah. To be fair, I should have I should have picked that up as well because I knew she was from real VNC. If you've I, I can't remember you saying VMware to be honest. So sorry sorry about that. I obviously don't pay attention to anything that goes on on this podcast. <laughs> Apparently neither do I. So I guess that's okay. Indeed. Oh. <laughs> But, uh, yes, so for our icebreaker question, I have a very, very simple one for you today. Mm. Do you feel that mm, desserts should be a requirement at dinner? Uh, dinner or tea? Ah, see, that's that's a phrasing thing. It's different countries and different cultures see dinner as lunchtime. Different areas of the UK call okay. it different things as well. So. Okay, so let's talk about the evening meal. Do you okay. believe that dessert should be included in the evening meal or like a requirement for an evening meal? I believe, um, personally, desserts, if you're going out for a meal, if you're eating out, should be included by default because just, they just have to be. Um, and... It's a you know it's a treat when you're eating out, but on an evening meal, I always have something sweet afterwards. It's not necessarily a dessert. In fact, it's very rarely a dessert. It's usually a chocolate bar, something like that. Chocolate bars could be counted as desserts. Okay, then then yes, there there is always there always has to be a sweet element to it, even if it's just like honeyed nuts or something. You know, something sweet after my main meal. Hmm. See, I I don't know. I bring this up because my sweet cravings are earlier in the day. So the idea of having like sweet sweets as a dessert dessert just doesn't like to me it just seems weird. So when I go out to a restaurant and I see the dessert menu and stuff, I'm just like, ah, mm. oh, you see, uh, I my, my my wife doesn't have a very big appetite anywhere near what I do. Anyway, I can I can eat like the seven stone heavier guy that I used to be still, and mm -hmm. um, she's a lot of the time we do we do starters. Then we'll have our main meal, and then by the time we've finished our main meal, she's not ready. She can't manage a dessert, so, you know. But I, I can eat everything. and I'll eat her food, and then eat my mine, and then eat dessert, and then eat more dessert. I love food so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, go figure. So, yes, we're on now to the topic of our show. Yes, which is big companies versus small companies. And this was chosen by Patrick because Patrick is, has recently moved from pretty much, I think, most of his career he's been working for small places, small independent uh, developers. And now he's moved into a much larger, more corporate environment. And, I mean, I don't, I'd let, I'll let Patrick um, comment on that himself, and I'm sure he will over the next few months. Um, but oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I have also worked in a lot of different places in my, my career. I've worked for one-man bands. I've worked remotely uh, on my own for big companies. I've worked remotely for huge, uh, tiny companies. And I've also worked in offices with, with different play, you know, with different uh, size companies. So I've, I've, I've done the whole gamut when it comes to... What about you, Josie? What have you uh, 
Who have you worked for? Not well, I've worked for big companies. I've worked for small companies. I've worked for my own company. I've worked for everything in between. It's interesting. And it, it's, it's interesting to me because, like, as we can see in chat, Patrick's basically <laughs> screaming as loud as he possibly can in text, much like his mic was when we were testing it yes. earlier, saying, so many processes, overhead branches and Git, thousands of them, pull requests, code review. Oh. Hey, speaking of code review, next week we're actually going to be doing a show on code review, so that'll be a fun one. But I, I think it's interesting because we've had um, an enterprise manager, uh, Gareth, another Gareth, not the ethical Gareth who I blamed for my misusing of words and technology types earlier in the show, but we've had someone on who's talked about what can be learned in the game industry from sort of enterprise development. Hmm. And now in a way, I think it kind of sits here in the same kind of topic <clears throat> because processes and things like that are the bread and butter of big business because you have so many heads that have to like work. If you just let everyone run around a muck, there's going to be an issue. And there are a lot of small businesses that do really well or small companies that can do really well with just leaning over and tapping someone on the shoulder going, hey, can you change that firewall rule? And you don't have to worry about it. And mm. yet at the same time, there is good and bad in both. Let me ask you this, Chris. When you worked in like big companies, did you enjoy it or did you hate it? Right. Now, this comes back to um, last week when we had your lovely husband on. Your, your husband was talking about, um, forgotten the name of the show. What was, this, what was the name of the show last week? Oh. <laughs> us v them. Yeah, so uh, he was talking about this us v them attitude. Now, those kind of places, when you're working in a small place, that doesn't really apply. And the same applies to the, pol the policies that get put in place and the bureaucratic processes that get put in place. As you just touched upon there, I, I'm, I'm trying to answer your question in a kind of a roundabout way. So I don't have a problem with it these days. The company that I'm currently doing work for is a global company. They are huge in their sector. They have um, hundreds of thousands of employees across the world. Uh, they've got offices all over the place. They're acquiring companies left, right, and center. They've actually got a small company mentality with a large company um, structure, but all the emails that I'm getting included in, which I'm not really part of the processes because of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm more of a consultant outside um, outside their standard processes, even within the team that I'm working. So I'm in a, a team of, um, uh, what do they call them? Solution architects or systems engineers, they call them in this instance. They are all talking about their processes and they're trying to put more processes in place and trying to put more communication between their teams in place mm -hmm. because they have grown so quickly. I don't have a problem with it now, but I did used to have a problem with it because I didn't understand why the processes were important. Now I understand why they're important and now I just get on with it. I just do what they need me to do and then also do my job and accept the fact that this is gonna take me an extra hour today because I have to go through these processes. Security, for example, I've had to install three separate applications on my phone uh, for, for multi-factor authentication to log into. Luckily, they have a single sign-on system, but there's two separate single sign-on systems for different parts of the organization that I actually need access to. One is the more public, um, the less secure side, but it still needs all these, these multi-factors. Mm -hmm. And then there's the uh, private side, which is things like source code, um, internal documentation, real company secrets that they really don't want anybody to have on their own computer because they've got a lot of remote workers and again a lot of people that work across the world so in a long as a long answer that's my sorry my, that is my long answer but as a short answer no I don't have a problem now I used to have a problem when I was younger and I didn't quite understand why and it was just getting in the way of me doing my good a good job you know well, see, I, I have I come from two sides of the coin uh, for that particular question. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with that concept. Um, I have seen instances, 
Maybe it's it goes back all even further to something that Hamid said at the very start of our show with him. We were talking about have idea question mark and profit. And he said, I hate people. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm the kind of individual who loves people. I hate work people. There's a sort of a different kind of concept to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I have the processes and the people that I've seen. The politics just annoy the crap out of me. That's but I different. have seen processes put into place with no purpose that all it did was add time, not efficiency. So, See, to me, a process should be in place for three purposes. One, documentation, because you should document everything. Two, it should be in place so that everyone follows the same rules and regulations. And three, it should increase efficiency in the future. It just it just should make a process that kind of a thing. When you start throwing things down, like, for example, I have seen a process come down the pipeline where an entire managed service team or an entire support team, an entire dev team had to log exactly what they were working on every 15 minutes. Can I can I relay a real life story that happened to me related exactly to that? My very very first job, I was the only IT guy there. While I was there, I was sixteen to eighteen when I was working in this place. Um, mm-hmm. I ran the entire department, entire IT department, as it grew. So I got new developers on, I got graphic designers on, I got people to deal with hardware, and then I also somehow inherited a telesales operation as well. God knows why I even got involved in that because it was way out of the remit. But as that occurred, we actually got a general manager on because I said to my bosses, I'm six, I'm 18. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I need some help to run this business because you guys are out selling constantly. This is, goes back to the salesperson, them versus mm-hmm. us thing. Um, th- these people selling constantly, giving us loads of work and me not having the resource or the time to do everything that you think I can do because I'm, you know, I was a confident kid even then. I didn't know everything. I was at the bottom Confused of this. Or cocky. I was, I was at the bottom of, oh, sorry, the top of Mount Stupid at that point. Right. Yeah. So right, right, right. I said I could do everything and I, I did try to do everything and got well too stressed and learned from it. But the point was, is that I had, um, I I, when we got this general manager in, the company was still only about five technical staff, and then the telesales team was a transient team of 15. I mean, every day there'd be someone leave and someone come back. It was an awful environment in, in particular. Um, but there was five of us that were doing the, the day-to-day processing. We mm-hmm. had to log every 10 minutes what we were doing, and there was no reason for this whatsoever, apart from she'd done a course uh, and she she thought that this was the way to run a company in general every 10 minutes and then every hour we had to have 10 minutes white space as well and white space was get up get away from your computer and do something whether it's printing some documents out and being away from your screen it was a health and safety thing again health and safety gone absolutely crazy in this instance um and and it was just it was it was pointless at that level even now it's pointless i don't understand that well, it's it's interesting. Patrick uh, in our chat points out um, WTF, how company ran by control freak survived. It, it, it basically comes down to the sort of micromanagement thing. There is a fascinating thing. Uh, are you familiar with TopTal? I've heard the term. I'm not sure why. TopTal is a developer. They sort of are like a placement agency, but for like the top 1% of developers oh, yes, I kind have, of yeah. a thing. And they have a tracking tool, a time tracker tool, which allows you to track what projects you're working on and things like that. Because of the fact that a lot of the places or the people that I, they uh, place uh, can sometimes be remote workers, they have a very fascinating addition to their time tracker. And it's known as the screenshot taker. Or what? I don't like where this is going. So what it does is it can be set up to, while you're recording time on a particular project, it'll take a screenshot at a certain period of time of your screen to show what you're working on. Now, I didn't notice that it keep a documentation on how many screenshots. Like it keeps a like a constant recurrence of the screenshots. I think that's kind of horrible for a server. So I think it's just the latest screenshot that is grabbed or the latest one every 15 minutes or so or something else like that. But I thought it was rather interesting because, you know, when you're dealing with 
a lot of workers and a lot of random locations and you're a big company, you want to make certain that you're paying for what you're worth. Mm -hmm. But what that allowed the um, admins to do is they could log in at any time and see what the latest screenshot was for your hours, etc. And if you have your timing just right, you can totally scope that stuff. <laughs> just be like, you remember the old school, you were playing a game and then you press a button because it said escape. Or like the old Flash games, yeah, you yeah. press the button, it looks like an Excel spreadsheet and all that other stuff. <laughs> <All It's, right. laughs> I could just imagine someone totally that, abusing that. Well, yeah, she could. The thing know. is, in that instance, right? I'm a remote worker. I, I, I currently, I'm in a in a, a position where I've been given a, a Word document with all the requirements on that is going to cover the next six months worth of work. Very kind of top level requirements. Everything's very speculative. It's it's as woolly as it's been for me for a long, long time. Most of the time I agree up front what I'm going to do, what I'm going to deliver, and they don't really care how I do it, when I do it. You know, I That don't... is the luxury of what we do, at least what you and I do. I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky in that most of my clients I've built, uh, current clients I've built trust with. Previous clients, not so much because I've worked in offices more than anything and it was again just doesn't work for me personally but now these days i work remotely i deliver everything that they want me to deliver and usually a little bit more current clients going to be quite difficult because they're so woolly the requirements and but the very nature of the work that i'm doing is speculative it is to get it's to potentially get finance potentially get financing for the next funding round for the next financial year so what I'm putting together are essentially technical feasibility studies uh, to say, the, this is what I've done. This is how I've done the analysis. These are the business benefits. You know, it's a bit like a precursor to a business case, mm -hmm. um, but I'm doing, I'm also doing prototyping as well. So I'm playing around with technologies and I'm looking at alternatives and I'm playing around with all these different platforms to figure out. What, so it's difficult for me to actually, as a developer, I would normally say that task is going to take me three days. It, it, you know, give or take a day or two. That task is going to take me two weeks, but this I can't do that with. <laughs> well, yeah, and also, hello, Professor Apple, who happens to be socially pressured into being here by Patrick. Oh. Um, <laughs> and Patrick says, deciding whether a worker is performing or not should be up to the direct manager. Um, I think that is... I think there is actually a topic in that because I have seen some direct managers who don't know their ass from their elbow. And yeah. then I have seen some direct managers who are who are hot shit, like point blank. I have to get some cursing in here. Patrick's back. <laughs> um, and then also continues to say, um, this sort of lack of trust makes for so topic environment. Toxic. Um, and topic. A topical environment. <laughs> but yes, a toxic environment. And I I think Going back to what you were saying, Chris, you know, when you are brought in, uh, like for you and I, when we're brought in, we're brought in with the intent where deliverables and we're brought in for our expertise and those deliverables are expertise in getting those deliverables done. And when we come in, we can work through and we do them. And in both our cases, we bill by the hour. So we bill by the hour for the time and the things that we're putting into, et cetera. The idea um, this is sort of a for us it's kind of small business because that's that's how our companies work mm -hmm. i was thinking to myself let's say i bring somebody into my company let's say i bring someone in because it's something you and i were talking about yep. before and i'm like how would i verify that they are doing what i've asked them to do how would i verify that they get their deliverables to me and all the other things that go with that and it dawned on me i have to have them kind of do what i do for my clients I have to build the trust relationship and I have to have very clear cut deliverables and the communication has to be present and they have to be able to, if they need help, say, yo, I just need a little bit of help here on this topic. Or if they have another idea, be able to bring that up. But then I started thinking, ah, but the moment you bring someone else into our company, which is small and it gets bigger. I have to start looking at other things. Mm -hmm. For example, BYOD policies, you know, bring your own device to work policies. Yep. There has to be regulations for that and they have to be clear cut as part of GDPR actually. So they, they have to be very clear. They have to be explained. There has to be training. There has to be onboarding sessions. And again, we're back to the concept of process. Right. There doesn't have to be all of that stuff as a small company. There are some legal requirements. Um, for example, in the UK now, I, I, I um, employ 
officially employ my wife as my PA. Um, she does all of my administrative work. She does all my invoicing and everything else. Um, and I have to give her the option because of some legislation that passed, I think last year or the year before, um, of having a pension for the company, even though she worked part-time for me and she's not a full-time employee. So I have to do that by law. If she was, if she's passed a th certain threshold, I have to provide her, even at my size, a pension. I don't have to do that because she's self-employed, but obviously it's in my interests other than that to do that as well. But I still have to send her a letter that says, um, do you want to be included in the company pension scheme? Which, by the way, doesn't exist. You know, you would be the only person. I I've got my own pension, but I'm. it's different right. for me because I'm a... Um, special person I, I know exactly what you're on yeah. about I'm in the same boat when it comes to the whole pension side of things but, yeah. but that's the thing as a small company you don't need to have these onboarding processes it's a courtesy as a small company you know you you do have to have some kind of process in place to for reportability or accountability but there's uh -huh. also at our size it probably makes more sense for us to subcontract and outsource it, it it honestly does if I were to bring someone into the company it would be by subcontracting mm. like that's just the way it would work. Which then, which then the way that that would work is, yes, you give them a, a set of deliverables, you agree a date with mm -hmm. them, and then they, esti well, they estimate based on the deliverables and you agree a date between you. And that's yeah. how I work with most of my clients. And that's pre preferable to me. And it's madness working any other way. If I have to get involved in a process with one of my clients, that puts me in a sketchy position legally. Yeah. But also... I hate it. I don't need to be involved in that. Most of the time, I'm very lucky that I'm producing documents with my own company's letterhead at the moment, and I'm passing it off to somebody in a team within that company, and they're going to take yeah. content out of that document and put it in an internal document, probably. I don't even mind putting their letterhead on, you know, on my document if they want, if that's going to save them some time, but it's still a deliverable, you know. I'm, I've still agreed an output from what they've asked me to do. It's just estimating is very difficult right now. Yep. And going back to poor Patrick, who is completely voiceless and cameraless today, <laughs> the disembodied Patrick, uh, he says, if manager sucks, then the issue is their manager. It's managers all the way, y'all. Oh, man, I can't wait to have him back on the show. <laughs> he says, oh, God, so much onboarding, too. That's what amazed me in Bigger Company, the amount of onboarding and stuff. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say, all that overhead of processes and onboarding really helps in bringing in new people. The project I'm working on has been in development for some while yet can't say. And integration into it is not as painful as I worried it could be. So there are benefits. And, you know, I have to say that is the honest to goodness reason why I think onboarding is so important, period. I, I've, I've done a, a slight thing recently within my company. I've started handling um, uh, all of the documentation and everything else that I do slightly different i which has actually increased the amount of time it takes me to perform certain things but it's actually made it more efficient like i've streamlined my pipeline is basically mm -hmm. the best way to put it and part of that was reworking my onboarding process for clients okay well that's a different and onboarding, onboarding. For but yeah. my point is though that whole concept of onboarding was actually spurred on by the concept of something that we had in one of our shows um uh, or i should say streamlining it was about we were talking about something with documentation in one of our shows at some point in time in our entire existence and my brain just went haha and then i went i learned a lot of that sort of processing through the big business side of things yeah. You just have to, as a small company, be careful that you don't go too far with it, and and make sure yeah. that, as we've as we've already said, that it's it's very. There's a specific reason, and there's a specific benefit to whatever policy that you're implementing. I have my own internal policies, even with my wife. Uh, you know, there are certain things that I like her to do in a certain way. She's my employee. You know, I can tell her, I can tell her what to do legally. You know. <laughs> Yes. I, I do have to, because she doesn't do the same tasks all every day, she forgets what she's doing a lot of the time and I have to repeat myself, but it's still a process that has to be followed. There's right. she, a lot of the things she does because it's accounting and that kind of stuff. It's a legal process as well. You know, my accountants expect things in a certain way, but she manages or she does that process. I just kind of remind her every now and again what to do. Mm -hmm. Now, onboarding, I just want to just briefly cover recent onboarding. I've had two different clients, um, very different clients, both massive companies, but one was a, a tiny department within a, a company that didn't have any kind of onboarding process. 
They essentially paid for me to go up and see them. They got me in the office for four days and we went through requirements, very much driven by myself, very much me asking questions, figuring out exactly what they wanted. And I've got to a point now in my career where I know what I need to ask to get to the pertinent and important pieces of work. And I know how to restrict my scope so I can get deliverables to a client in the way that they need them to be delivered. And the same is applied to this this bigger client as well. Because the person, the person, the one person that I'm interacting with on a daily by daily basis is extremely busy and involved in tons and tons of processes, I'm essentially a resource for him. I'm essentially helping him out in for some work that he's going to be doing in the future. Um, but I'm at a technical level. Now right. it's taken me, it took me about a week to figure out exactly what he wanted from me because you know, I've not been able to interact with him every day. I was in the office for, for a week as well. And it's it's a case of figuring out how to work with an individual and figuring out what their value is and what the, what their focus is. Because a lot of the time you don't get, and this applies on every level, technical levels, business levels, um, support levels, you know, business to business relationships with new clients. It's totally different depending on their experiences. And this one guy is very business focused, very cost focused, very, very interested in um, what can be done to make uh, a, an existing problem easier to manage, let's say. Um, mm. I, I can't go into much more detail than that, but essentially he's different from a previous client who they had a piece of software that they, need, they needed writing and needed an expert to do that. So I went in, asked all the relevant requirement gathering questions, and mm -hmm. then compiled a document, agreed the document loosely. You know, I'm not I'm not someone who says, right, this is all you're going to get. I know <laughs> that requirement, uh, so there's always scope. Create. There's always something written inside, at least with my, uh, my contracts that says, if scope in any way needs to be modified, we can revisit. It's not like... Yeah. You're the, stuck with what you got. There is also there, there has to be a starting point. There's also the benefit that we have is that it's an hourly billable process. If you mm. agree fixed price work, that's very different. There is a certain amount of scope creep. You know, it's the same with maintenance contracts. We were actually discussing this the other day about yeah. ongoing maintenance. If you have, uh, if you agree to a, a, a support contract and say this is level one support incident this is the website's down it's a 24-hour website everybody's using it all the time it's global it's really important when it goes down you're working with a big company or, or a, a particular section of a big company that that's you know you're managing even though it's a tiny little application it's still pertinent that it's always there can you as an individual support that that means you can't go on holiday it means that you need somebody to support you when you're ill it need it means all of that kind of stuff now that's all everything that you need to consider when you write a contract or you put yep. we're getting into very contract driven stuff now we are, i we really are, wish we, we had patrick here so he could lev I'm going level to, us I'm out i'm going to you know? <laughs> shift us ever so slightly off to the side um and i'm going to look at a particular big business thing which i think is kind of it, it goes back to something you were saying earlier and patrick feel free to to chime in and stuff like that but um you can't blame us it's not our fault <laughs> you yes. really can this you is tell all us your off. fault you tell us off for going out of contract stuff <laughs> but it is, us, but... it's not but just see... contract or business to business stuff or, or self-employment it, it kind no. of applies at every level but my I, my experience is very much business driven these days it's very much there, i am a business a i'm working with clients you know yeah, I mean, when it comes to going back to the big business side of things, when you do an onboarding process, the onboarding process isn't just fill out all the forms so we know where to send your paycheck. You know, you have to understand the company policies. You need to know what all of the different rules and regulations are within that particular company because there can be very specific things for things like email usage or internet usage or file usage or anything. Like there are a lot, everyone can have their own types of policies and you've got to follow that. But it's also about learning the systems. Mm -hmm. um, when you come in, it's about learning where you're at, being aware of what tools are being used, why they're being used, how you would then use them to perform your job. And there is nothing more frustrating, and I know my husband would agree with this because he's gone through something like this before, than coming into a company, going through, and this is big companies we're talking here, going through the onboarding process and having to wait a week for the right credentials or the right tools that, or the right anything it's you know, it's 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 almost like in your case chris and like in my case as well when we come in 
you know, that whole onboarding process, we can get paid for. And we can't continue on to deliverables until we have done at least some type of onboarding process. However, when you work in a big business, it's automatically kind of like, well, you get a paycheck from us. We're going to waste your time doing the things we need to do and then wonder why you haven't been working and you're just sitting there going, I would love to work, but I don't have an SSH key in the repository. I would love to work, but you haven't given me access to this particular system. So I would like, it's so I tend to interesting find to me. The bigger companies accept that. The line managers and the people that are yes, signing your time should accept that. Not now, always. Though. I was very lucky in this one that it took me two days absolute maximum to complete all of the online training courses which uh, but you have to do them again i've mm -hmm. accepted it's annoying that i have to go through the same health and safety nonsense that's all self-explanatory self-explanatory and and you know common sense common sense um i have to go through the same um kind of how to represent the company stuff which again doesn't really apply to me but i still speak to their vendors and i right. sometimes speak to their customers and it's important that i from my perspective, it's important that I make sure I am um, introduced as an outside consultant, as a consultant, but at the yes. same time, I am representing them and I am working with their data and with their systems. And it's still very important that I am responsible with those systems. I got given a laptop the, the same day. In fact, everybody that was around me, they couldn't believe how quickly I got onboarded because when I Kim, I, well, the first thing, I, I sat down with the manager, he onboarded me, he went through the, the checklist, which was three A4 sides full of questions and things he had to go through. It was, I said, this is a huge company with huge, but right. a lot of the things, again, he knew because of the interview that we'd had, he knew how I, how I worked, We'd un, we understood each other. There were some things that he knew I didn't need to worry about. And there were some things that he was like, you, you know, you have to, and I said, yeah, I've already done that. I've done that, I've done that. So I spent the first day going through all these training courses, signing all the documents, additional documentation on top of the contract contracts that I had to do. Uh, all this stuff I hate normally because it's, oh, I used to hate because I used to make me look a bit like an employee. But the way that I look at it is my, my working practices aren't employee based at all. I just have to do this as part of getting access to their systems and they won't mm -hmm. give it to me otherwise. So I can't do the job. I can't earn any money as a business. So commercially it's in my interest to sign everything and get everything. To they couldn't believe that the IT guy, there was one IT guy that serviced a building of 500 people, weird. But um, he came upstairs with his phone, took a photo of me, and I had a badge within the day uh, to get into the building, which th th everyone was around me was like, that took me two days, three days to get that. And, <laughs> well, and they know time is money with us, my friend. Well, maybe that's it. But I think they just literally just changed the process so they had to, so he could do it from his phone. He just got a new app. Ah, so maybe there's also, that's the thing. We don't always know when we come in what's happening or what's changing inside exactly. it. sometimes we do sometimes we don't so all, of, all the, the, the onboarding for me was really quick and really easy because i cooperated i think as well and because i was very clear on what i needed to get the job done that they want me to do mm. patrick adds um Another thing, though, maybe it's a scopely specific thing. It feels like first days are a lot more chill than in small projects. Here, they actually can afford to take the time, ease you in, help you make social connections with coworkers, really huge push to minimize socialization or whatever it was called. Whereas small companies, you got to hit the ground sprinting, read docs after hours because you only got so much time, money. So rush, 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 rush. Uh, there are always other contracts. Wow. Yeah, my onboarding was less hardcore than yours, Chris. And Scopely feels like between this turbo corp you're talking about and small companies like Elysian Shadows or freelancing, no siloization. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a good thing is that I am siloed in what I'm doing. I love being siloed, so but I. I hate it. I hate it at the same time because... Uh, no, I'm going. To, I'm going to save that for my RTFM because okay. something happened this week, and because of the fact that I'm siloed to the to the place that I'm at, I, I had something happen that made me want to rip my hair out and basically, like you know, stab a pencil into a fruit or something. Because I I couldn't even do that. Actually, I feel very bad for the fruit. I, I'm not a very violent person, but it made me angry. Like okay. really angry. But anyway. Um, when it comes to uh, the onboarding process, because we could stay focused on that forever, I think we should just put that aside for a yep. second and talk about that kind of cultural shock that can happen from a big company to a small company. Because there is a culture shock. There is a drastic culture shock. 
at least that I have seen from what I have experienced. I worked in a big company where you knew the people who were in your office. You um, knew the people who you did work for, at least in my particular case. I, I knew it was expected of me. And it was, you know, kind of, it was a slightly us them because it was just sort of one of those, why is there a banana in the printer? Because the printer was hungry. Why are you feeding a banana to... The printer is now broken. You are 60 years old. You don't put fruit... I, I, that incident still blows my brains out. But okay. that, that, was, that was such a shock to me. Everything was laid back. It was just you knew what had to be done. And people didn't mind stopping occasionally and having a quick chat over a cup of coffee. It wasn't that big of a deal. I moved into a small company. And when I was in that small company, everybody was right there right there in your face and it really felt more um for lack of a better term tense frantic yeah it felt more tense and I'm... a bit more frantic and it could be because they were at a place at least in my personal opinion whether or not it's true because i walked out of that bs but um the company itself may have been at that place that dangerous place where they needed to expand but they hadn't done it yet so one and that that might have been why there was that there's, there's quite I, I do networking as well and there's quite a few business people there that um that didn't expand their businesses early enough and they are first to admit it and they and that whenever like we do we do this add-on every morning uh every wednesday and it's um it's things like i mean to, this week it was um watch your which, what's the biggest mistake you've made in your career or what, you know, the, think add-ons like that. Well, mm. And that one in particular, a lot of people usually say not hiring people fast enough. Yeah. Because I'm a control freak. Because, not necessarily control freak, because I don't want to let go of, of the my baby. I don't want to. I, I don't see oh, the value cool. in I it. I don't feel like, like people can do it as good as me, you know. And now I, I've I've been thinking recently about expanding my own business because I've got four clients all at once that want a piece of me. But the problem mm -hmm. I have, this isn't a control thing. They want me, specifically want me. That's that's the thing I'm running into because when people recommend my company, they don't recommend my company. They recommend me. It just so happens that I am my company but that is i'm exactly in the exact same place whereas if i turn to a larger company i kind of know there's going to be more people so i kind of expect things i, I don't mind if i'm talking to ann one day mm. and uh you know joe the next day as long as they've got the notes of whatever it is that i'm discussing with them for whatever purpose it needs to be done it's not that big of a deal to me but you know i i, I get where you're coming from entirely chris i i really really do I feel like um, when it when it comes to smaller companies for me, I'm again lucky these days that I have a scope and I know what I need to deliver. And I say to them, and if if they say this needs delivering in three weeks and it's a three month job, it doesn't matter how big they are. It doesn't matter if they're a charity. It doesn't matter if they're a, a huge corporation. I am one man with one re with what with my own hours, and I do not yeah. work more than seven and a half to eight hours a day. If uh, I say that, if there was one client that had a very hard deadline and it was impossible for us to hit it without me doing extra hours, but they paid me for those extra hours. Right. And I, I mean, that particular contract, I didn't get any thanks whatsoever, but I delivered it and I nailed it. And I was very, very proud of doing that. Um, but I was also rolling in it because of the amount of extra time I did. But I also nearly lost my sanity through it as well. It's not something I would Lesson ever recommend. Learned. Yeah, well, I, I might there's a potential of doing that again if I'm in the same situation. If I need to do it and I've agreed to it and I understand that that's the case at the beginning of the contract then, or the beginning of the project, then yes, I'll do it. Mm. But anyway, that's another topic and we've also we've talked about that before. Thing. We have but talked yes. about that before in a previous show, in fact. But the small company mentality a lot of the time is down to resource. Simple as that. It is, it's, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough. Uh, we've got investors to appease. We've got clients that need, that want everything under the sun. We've got salespeople that are selling clients, overselling to clients. And we're all, we're, it's, it's organized chaos a lot of the time. Yes, it absolutely is. But that isn't the employee's fault. And this comes back down to another episode we've done, which I can't remember the title of that one either, but that, where you cannot, indispensable developer that was it you cannot be that indispensable person you are important 
in your own life you know you have your own amount of time that you dedicate to work and then the rest of your time should be relaxing should be doing things you want to do should be spending with your family even if it's coding it doesn't matter as long as it's not working for your employer constantly because you are not your employer's business you are contributing to it and yes you may have a profit share which by the way i'll just let you know now it's worth nothing and it never will be worth anything unless you're extremely lucky and you're in a very small minority there everybody promises somebody something and it very rarely comes to fruition you know that's a pessimistic view from an optimistic person I'm... but it's the truth and i've experienced it a number of times oh that's a, that's a whole topic unto <laughs> itself and that's something we'll save for another episode yes there are thoughts on that some yes. big thoughts but we are getting close to the end we should do an rtfm we should get that out of the way do you have one today chris and for you patrick because (laughs) you can't be here do you have an rtfm that you want to complain about as well so um big versus small companies my rtfm i'm trying i try and relate it to what we're talking about i don't I'm having a great time at the moment in my life. I mean, an RTFM for me is, my God, why can someone help me change my business model so I can accommodate all of my clients at once? And I don't even, it's not even that, it's not even that I don't trust anybody else with the work and I, and I, or I can't employ somebody because I don't have the time or the resources because I could, I could do that. It's that if a lot of the time I'm not allowed to uh, subcontract, I'm not allowed to, sub- well, I am allowed to substitute, but in reality, substitution doesn't really happen in, in my industry. It's very rare. Mm. Um, I, I am providing a personal service as a consultant, and they interview me, they hire me, they take me on for a project. I need to figure that <laughs> That's my RTFM is, I don't even know what to do. It's for the first time in my life, I don't know how to handle a situation, apart from... I've just spoken to one client and said, can I drop down to three days a week? And then the new cl- and one of my other clients, I've said, I'll do two days a week for you. And luckily, I think I'm getting somewhere with that. But that's not good enough. You know, I've got another two clients that might need five days a week <laughs> from me. <laughs> <sighs> uh, Patrick says, <laughs> Whoa. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so to quote the lovely Patrick, who is a cursing fiend, Yeah, we're back to explicit episodes, aren't we? Yes. Fucking life without internet, man. Fucking sucks. It's horrible. It's like living with half a brain, mute, deaf, and blind. My God, how could we function before this wondrous hive mind and rant? This is, this, he's just said exactly what, I'm I'm in the process. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I'm in the process of, of putting together a novel. I'm trying to write a novel based on a computer game that I was uh, designing a few years ago, mm-hmm. quite a few years ago now. Um, and I've a lot of that is focused on this, this kind of phenomenon of the internet being an extension of the human mind. And it's not, and it is, we are a hive mind. We, the, the youth of today, like Patrick, he can't deal without having the internet there in front of him. Whenever something happens on television or something happens around us and we don't know the answer, we look it up and it's great while we look it up, but then we forget and we have to look it up again the next time. And I'm telling you, we're going to have implants within 10, 15 years. We'll have implants that connect us directly to the internet and look things up as we... Uh, <laughs> Toltepe, gosh, there's no internet equals read a book. That's what I'm doing at the moment. I am. I got back into reading because I'm because of the, uh, I'm trying to get myself off the internet as much as I'm on it. <laughs> we'll have to have a conversation about this sometime because Patrick continues. Says, look, I could look at it as addiction, but frankly, it's more of a power multiplication. You can do so much more with the internet. That's what he did. Oh. Is he went through twenty books, and um, Toltepe says disconnecting is very relaxing. And you know what? I'm right there with him. Absolutely. Now, I live on the interwebs because of what I do and part of my hosting and some of the stuff. I basically eat, sleep, breathe, whether I'm doing community management or I'm doing uh, PR or I'm doing publicity or whatever it is I happen to be doing. I am internetting. And I have found myself in a very dangerous place. So I kind of, in a way, have two RTFMs for today based on this. Okay. Okay. So first off, my uh, big problem is I hate Facebook with a passion. 
I don't believe in them at all. I find the corporate culture, the way that they present themselves to be malicious extremely. And I've recently found out that some, I think it was a couple million passwords are stored in plain text and they've been searched yeah there's it's it's basically think of it as every user of facebook whoever has a password their password is available in plain text to employees in facebook and those employees have openly searched frequently in to get these things so i don't want anything to Uh, do with facebook they haven't necessarily searched for passwords they've searched for records that have contained passwords as a part of their job Well, the thing is i as as someone who is security that kind of information to me simply equates to yeah i highly doubt it hasn't been used maliciously Mm. i'm sorry i don't believe that so to me the idea of doing anything on facebook pisses me off and yet i know for marketing for some of my clients it's a requirement and i am in a really 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 bad place because of it and mm-hmm. i'm having to put thinking caps into that but that's a basic thing based on what you were saying my real rtfm kind of deals with silos with big company and small company i implore anybody who works with people who are freelancers if you know for a fact that any of the internal work that you are choosing to do will have an impact on anything that your freelancer works on, please fucking tell us that you're going to be doing work. I had a client who their site just kind of went offline. And I'm like, what? Of last week I had it because of GoDaddy. This week it's for a different purpose. Hmm. And it took me a little bit to figure out what the hell was going on. And the reason why is because they decided to move their DNS from their DNS servers to Cloudflare. And Cloudflare requires certain types of settings to be done with SSL environments and things like that. And they hadn't done it. So it was actually causing issues. And they didn't tell me. I only found out about when did, the site went down. Did the people who had... did the work know you exist, though? Yes. And do they know Very that you were so. responsible? Very have a... much so. Right, okay. Very much Because so. that ho- that's often a problem with me. I've, for example, found out some of the work that I've been projected to do, I've got on my list to do, um, is a change request has just been put in. Again, this is another policy that with big companies. Change requests have to get filled in by the people who are going to do the work, signed off by various steps of management and then actually brought back anyway so change request has been put in to directly do the work that i have been assigned to do and that is an internal communication problem however as soon as i found out i spoke to the relevant people i spoke to the people who put the change request in i asked them to keep me up to date with where they are i didn't say don't please don't do this work i said let me know where you're up to so I, i now know the status of it and the people that i'm reporting to Right. I've got involved as well. So uh, it's a communication thing a lot of the time, but it, unfortunately it not the same It's a thing. communication <laughs> thing. In this particular case, I, I just wonder if this person just doesn't like me. Because this is not the first time they've done something in the couple of years that I've been working uh, in this particular contract where they've done something and I've only found out about it because my monitoring system has gone off. Okay. It's almost like they don't... It's It's like... It's really weird. I don't understand it. I don't get it. All I know is I now have another thing in place in my monitoring because of this learned lesson experience so that I can be a lot more uh, annoying. Vigilant is the right word, Josie. (laughs) Oh, oh, we've just lost Josie. So, yes, I believe, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping Josie will come back in a minute, but um, I believe that is the end of the show. And people in chat are also complaining, and not complaining, talking about Josie disappearing. Um, so yes, uh, I believe that is the end of the show. Thank you very much for everybody for watching. And uh, Josie is now back. Oh, let's just have all of the technical difficulties, all that we possibly. <laughs> I was just, I was just starting to close the show because uh, we've uh, pretty much got to the end of the RTFM anyway. We are probably a little bit early because we had a bit of a break as well today. Ah. Uh. That's true. But we do have some things to talk about before we close out the show. Yes. So, what did you say? Um, I literally was just about to, to, to close the show with, with the script, <laughs> so I was going to read your bit first, but I wasn't sure if you're going to come back, so I'll let you do that. <laughs> I will read it. So I'm back. So, yes. So, we are at the end of our show. <laughs> and I want to thank everyone in chat, including Patrick, who should be here. He'll be here next week. 
he better be. Um, and a massive thank you to Aussie who showed up and also to the Professor Apple and to Tepe and Invina and all of you crazy, awesome people. Thank you so much. Indeed. Um, uh, yes, and uh, you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live. Uh, you can find links to our Discord, Twitter, YouTube uh, channels. Subscribe. And, yes, we need a hundred subscribers in order just, for us to get a name. Might even drop YouTube because the podcast is doing pretty well. To be fair, we're getting some good uh, good downloads on on um, on Fireside and. Uh, hopefully. Well, we get we get people watching it on on YouTube as well because we don't store the video part anywhere else. So no. I, I I say whether or not it's, it's just keep it just for now. But I would like to have a to be youtube.com slash TNI stream. It would be nice, yeah. So if you if you are listening us, and you haven't already liked our YouTube, ignore us. <laughs> yeah, just just yeah, just ignore us afterwards. But please like our page or subscribe or whatever it is on YouTube. It's subscribe. It is, yes. Um, you can use our website to contact us to get hold of us for any reason whatsoever. If you want to be a guest on the show, you want a, a particular subject talked about, or you've got some funny developer stories you want reading out, um, as long as they are appropriate. But then again, almost anything's appropriate for this uh, this podcast. Mm. And speaking of the website, if you are interested in getting involved in coding with us or anything else like that, you can find our website code at github.com slash documentation not included. Create tickets if you have an idea for things you actually want to see or if you find a bug or if you think something could be done better. Bring us issues in our GitHub so that we can go forth and make Chris excited. Because uh, he yes. gets excited bug fixing right now when I have, it comes to our I website. Have... We need to grab him while he's in this mood well, until he gets uh, bored. We, <gasps> we say that, but I've got the, the DNI website and another uh, website that I'm doing in my spare time, plus the work I'm doing, plus another two, three clients. Uh -huh. that, that That's so, enough. No more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all adding up, but I'm still getting time to do bits and bobs here and there. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So, yes. Yes. I, I, uh, I'll close the show this week, Josie. Okay. Next uh, you read that big, bold thing. <laughs> yes, I will, I will. Um, so, yes, thank you very much, everybody, for watching. We hope to see you next week on Twitch, uh, forward slash DNI stream, uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Note that the clocks are going forward. Spring forward. <laughs> that spring was forward. one hell of a question. Yeah, spring Your forward, fall broke. back. That's how, I, that's how we remember it in this house. Um, and we're joined from Sam from Real VNC, not... VMware uh, to discuss <laughs> Sorry, code reviews. Sam. Now, code reviews is something that it, it exists in the o the open source world. It also exists uh, in the corporate and the enterprise world, but doesn't really for the smaller companies, for the bedroom coders and that kind of thing. It doesn't really exist. So I'm quite quite interested to talk about that. I've obviously been involved in that, so I'm thoroughly thoroughly looking forward to that. So it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Josie. And goodbye from Patrick. I can't. I was going to do an impression of him, but I, I, I was thinking about it, but I'm like, I don't think I could get even close <laughs> to his accent. <laughs> Indeed. So sorry about the uh, the mess of a show. Our sponsors. We're going to have to drop them again this this week. Oh gosh, darn it! Us and our sponsors. Aren't oh, no. they okay? Are, are, wait, no, wait. Maybe someday we'll have a sponsor. Yeah, maybe we'll actually try and get some at some point. But we we, we have too much fun on this show to be bothered. Anyway, so <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs> See you later.